As we're about to hear, you'll never walk alone. Christ always walks with us. He finds the ways that we need to be loved and challenged, and he draws us out. And then he asks us to go out and minister to others with love and hospitality. Let us gather our gifts together and offer them to God with gratitude and praise. Stay. 
Heavenly Father, everything we have and everything that we are comes from you. We thank you for the opportunity to give back, to mission, to people, to be your hands and feet in our world. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Will you please join your hearts with mine in prayer this morning? Gracious and loving Father, we come today as your children. We thank you for your mercy and your care. You're here when we need you, and you have never turned away from us. We pray for the needs of our people today. We have individual and personal needs, needs as a nation. You know about our struggles and our burdens, and you invite us to bring it all to you in prayer. Today, we reach out to you. Help us with the assurance that you are answering our prayers. Events in the past few weeks have our minds and our hearts troubled. We pray for our community. We pray for our nation and for those that are around us. We pray for those that are in leadership and that your word is preached all around the world. By your grace, we can show others. In your name we pray. Amen. morning's reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. 
Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed and sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you unite your heart with mine as we come before God in prayer? Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks for this time. This moment where we have come before you with our hearts open after having lifted our voices in praise, after having heard your word, after having spent time in prayer. And Lord, with open hearts, we pray that you would light the new fire in us that you would send us into the world with that presence of your spirit because we are renewed by your word, renewed by your presence. Plant that seed in us that will go and bear fruit for the honor and glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. So I'm not sure when this started happening. But one of the things I've noticed on the news over past years is that after some major crisis, they start to play the 911 calls related to it. You guys ever seen that? <laughs> that if you watch the news that say something happens, the one that's on my mind most recently is, remember the condominium collapse a few weeks ago in, in Florida? And then on the news that I watched, I started to hear maybe two, three days later, they played some 911 calls from that moment. And I sit there and I wonder why this happens. Like, why do we need to be let in on this moment this way? What does it help us to understand people's fear, people's terror, people's ways of expressing the panic they're in in that given moment? How does that help me as I'm getting ready for work? Or how does that help me as I'm trying to understand what's happening in my world? I wondered about that for a long time. And as I sat there, we all know that it's important that we have something like that 
some place we can call when things are going in such a place. When there's a crisis that's bigger than us, we need to be able to cry out to someone. We need to be able to call the people who can help. We appreciate that, but why does the rest of the world have to watch? Made me think about that as we came to this particular scripture today. This idea of why did the gospel writers think it important to let us in on this moment with Jesus? Because when we think of our Jesus, we think of the Son of God. We think of the victorious Christ. We think of God the Son. We don't tend to think of someone who, as we heard as Louis read for us, my soul is sorrowful to the point of death. So what is this here for? How does this story help us as followers get closer to God? I think it comes back to what we talked about at the greeting. Because in Jesus, in this moment, Jesus models for us how we might be able to handle our hardest, most vulnerable times. And so let's look at what Jesus teaches us. Because as many of you know, over the past few weeks, we've had a Bible study here at the church called Teach Us to Pray. In that study, we have looked at how Jesus prays and what we can learn from Jesus' specific prayers. We came away with that looking at four things in particular. And we're going to hit each one of those in this message. The first was Jesus teaches us to be authentic when we pray. Be honest, be open, no filters. Second thing that Jesus talks about is to be bold when you pray. Ask for what you really want. Ask for what you really want. Don't ask for polite things. Ask for what you really want. Third, Jesus teaches us to be persistent when we pray. In other words, if it just doesn't come the first time you ask it, then you need to be persistent. Keep going. Keep pressing. Ask, seek, knock. We've heard that before somewhere. And lastly, be God-centered when you pray. I'm going to spend a little time with that one. Be God-centered when you pray. Now, what you will see is that as we visit this moment, that Jesus does all four of those things. And that's exactly our lesson. How does Jesus show us these things when Jesus prays that can help us be better when we pray? So, we come to this moment now. And most of us know what's happening in Jesus' life. Jesus has spent this night with his closest disciples, celebrating the Passover. And he knows what's coming. He's tried to prepare them for what's about to happen. He's washed feet. He's given them the Last Supper. And he's taught and talked with them to help them understand that they have to get ready for what they're about to go through. Frankly, they don't quite get it. They just don't quite get it. But he does. And because he does, he needs a moment. 
If you have been in one of those times in your life where you knew something big was coming, something hard was coming, just like that train coming down the track that you can hear so far away, but you know it's getting closer. If you've had that kind of time and you just had to sit there and wait, because that's where Jesus is right now. And so he goes to one of his favorite places. The Gospels tell us that as this was his custom, he goes to this garden in Gethsemane on the Mountain of Olives. So the other eight kind of hang back, and he brings with him sort of the inner circle, the people that are closest to him, Peter, James, and John. And while the other eight probably are off falling asleep because it's the wee hours of the morning, he asked them, sit here and watch with me. Keep watch. He wants his closest team closest to him at this moment where he is at his most vulnerable. So he walks eventually away from them and he starts to pray. And this line that we know so well, if you've walked with Christ for a while, most of us can recite this one. This one is important. We hold this one close because it says so much to us, right? And Jesus packs so much in one single sentence. Where if you're reading along with us, we are in verse 39, okay? Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is, not pos- if it is possible... May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Wow. So much that embodies who Jesus is just in one line. First, what we see is that he's very humble in his prayer. That he's completely hit this moment. As we said, four things. First of which is be authentic. Jesus turns to his friends and he says, as we heard, my soul is sorrowful to the point of death. So we know he's having a rough go. We know that he can see a cross. He can see a scourge. He can see a mob. He knows all of that's on its way. He also knows that he's got the weight of human sin on his back. That he's got to be able to walk the path in front of him. Because if he doesn't walk this path then essentially all this grand plan comes undone. And he's got the temptation of the devil in his ear. This is simply too much to bear. You can't possibly do this. You're the son of God. Why would God do this to you? All these sorts of things swirling around to take him off course. And yet he's determined to be obedient. So he struggles, and he's hurting. 
And the fact that the gospel writers capture that for us, the fact that Jesus himself lets us in on that is profound. Because usually if you want people to believe someone is a superhero, you don't let them in on these moments. Usually if you want to convince everybody that you're the strong one, that you're the best one, that you're the victor, that you don't let people see you in moments like this. You don't show the, the gap in the armor, if you will. Yet we have the benefit of seeing a truly human Jesus right now. Truly human. Now remember, Jesus is fully human, fully divine. That's one of the mysteries of our faith. He's not either or. He's both simultaneously. And his human side is clearly on display. What he is going through, what he can see, he needs help with. The spiritual battle raging in his mind and in his soul, he needs help with. And what does he do? He prays. That's a good thing. And most of us, when we have faced our crises, most of us, when we've been through our moments, when we think about the 911 times in our life, we have gone to prayer. In fact, some folks, that's the only time they pray. <laughs> You know that saying, there's no atheists in foxholes? <laughs> that most people will find prayer when the heat is on, <laughs> right? So here he is, the heat is on, and he is going to pray. The challenge for us, though, is when you come to this moment, when you come to this kind of time, what kind of prayer are you going to bring? See, if you come from an experience that tells you prayer is supposed to be this formal thing, that you're supposed to use the big fancy words, and you're supposed to be in this kind of state of mind, then this isn't the moment for you. Because Jesus is raw and real. And he is laying it all out there, no filter, no pretense. And here's something I want you to think about as a disciple yourself, is that does it take that level of crisis for your prayer to get that real? Or are you one of those hang back and do the polite thing when you talk to God? Because God wants authenticity. God wants real and here's something, just in case you forgot. You might be thinking you're holding back, but God can see through that, <laughs> in case you forgot. <laughs> God knows what's going on with you better than you know what's going on with you. <laughs> so when we decide, you know what, I'm only going to say this, have you forgotten that the almighty creator of the universe can see through that? <laughs> The hope is that when you are at your most vulnerable, when you are your most open, when you are your most raw, that's when you can get the most real with God. And God can be exactly who you need God to be with you. 
but check the equation. Remember that because you're the one that's holding back, not him. And we see Jesus model that. He goes and he falls on his face. And he lifts the question. Second thing we talked about was be bold when you pray. Ask for what you really want. So here we see Jesus. And we all know the line, as I said. Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Now, why is that such a big deal? It's such a big deal because, remember, Jesus is the one who had told his followers more than once, I will be handed over to unbelievers. I will be whipped. I will be scourged. I will be put to death. And on the third day, I'll rise again. So he knows the plan. He told everybody else the plan. Yet, in this moment, he asks for what he really wants. Is there another way? Can something else be done? Because he knows the plan, yet he still asks. You catch that? He knows the plan, but he still asks. What's really interesting is if you read Mark's account of this, we're reading Matthew's account. In Mark's account, the wording changes a little bit, but in a pretty dramatic way. Because in Mark, what he says is, Father, you can do anything. Take this cup from me. In other words, he doesn't even ask. He doesn't even ask. He's like, you can do this. So do it. He's real. He's raw, and he's bold. Can we do something else? How about you? In your prayer walk, in your prayer life, does it take a 911 moment for you to be that honest about, God, here's what I really need. Here's what I'm really hoping for. Because those filters we live behind are keeping us from the closeness with God that we really seek. Those things we put up in order to look our very best are the things that are keeping us from receiving the very best. Ask for what's really going on with you. God will not heal what you will not give. God will not touch what you will not surrender. Not because God can't. It's not because he can't. But it's about this relationship. If you won't fully surrender it, what are you telling God? It's like, I have this problem here, but I want you to do it how I want it done. And I'm still going to hang on to what I think is control. And so do what I said. And so God is going, you know, if you'd let me have it, I'd fix it. Ask for what you really want. Third, be persistent. You know, Jesus mentions this a few times. One of the most clear examples is when he tells the story of the persistent widow. 
he talks about this widow in a town who needs justice from a judge, but she keeps going to the judge and the judge won't grant her request. And eventually the judge finally says, I'm gonna have to do this or this woman's gonna wear me out. But that's one of those moments where Jesus reminds us something. It's like, if that's how the world works and we can all relate to that, how much more do you think God is prepared to do for you? Hear that, because we get that. We all get worn out by people who won't leave us alone, amen? <laughs> we know what that's like. <laughs> and so even Jesus says, well, if you get that, how much more do you think a God that truly loves you is prepared to do what you really need if you show how seriously you take this? And where do we see Jesus do that? Listen to the story. Jesus goes, he falls on his face before God. He lifts this up. He goes back to the disciples. He finds them sleeping. And he tells them, please stay awake with me. I'm having a really rough time. I'm counting on you guys to watch with me. He goes back and he prays the same thing again. He comes back to the disciples finds them sleeping again, and he understands. It's late at night. They've had a rough day. And he goes back, and he prays the same thing again. Be persistent. He models persistence the same way he taught us. Lastly, this idea of being God-centered. We, as we said, are very familiar with this story. And with this moment in which we find our Lord, one of the things we've talked about is this idea of how when we come to prayer, we're really good at what we want. We're good at it. We know exactly what we're asking God for. But one of the challenges when we come to prayer is that asking God for stuff is not bad. Let me be clear about that. Asking God for stuff is not bad. But where we usually don't do our very best is that we ask God for stuff that's kind of like the lowest level stuff, kind of the easiest stuff. And much of the stuff we ask for is kind of selfish stuff. Even if we ask for something for someone else, for healing, for someone who's grieving, those sorts of things, those are great because at least they're not just simply our wish list for the day. Okay? That's important. But have you considered how much of your prayer life is centered on what God hopes for for you in the world? How much time and energy do you put into trying to figure out, well, God, what is it you're really hoping for from me? What are you really hoping for in this moment? What is it you're trying to accomplish right now? Or is it, here's what I want you to do? See, we all get the basic concept of God is in Santa Claus. We get the idea that God isn't the genie in the lamp, and we just get to get our wishes granted. We get that, yet do we actually put that into practice in real ways that shows we get it? Because if we show up and say, here's what I want, that sounds like giving Santa your list. Or 
Listen to Jesus. You know, in a little while, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. And we think about those lines, but listen to them carefully. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Centered in what God wants and God's glory. See the difference? Even when we get to the petitions, and it says, give us today our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Those are things that recognize, God, you're the one who provides. You're the one who protects. You're the one who leads. Help me do these things that are ultimately about what you do for me and what you want in the world. God-centered. If you don't hear anything else, at least think about that when you sit down and pray. Because we see that here as well. Because as we all know that famous sentence, we hear it, we get it, and we let the words kind of waft past us sometimes. Because Jesus is bold in asking for what he really wants. But then he shows us who he really is. Because he says, if this cup cannot pass from me, then not what I want, but what you want. God-centered, God-driven, God-first. Can we move our walk with God to a place where our prayer is really about God first? Because if we do that, remember one of the things that Jesus taught us. That in Luke 11, when Jesus talks about the idea in that famous teaching that he gives us about which of you parents, if your child asks for an, a snake, uh, ask for, um, I'm going to go blank on this, but ask for a good thing and you're going to give him a bad thing. It says if you ask for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion, right? So if we have that kind of thing going on, but remember what Jesus teaches at the end. He says, if you who are evil know how to do good things for your children, how much more will the whole the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him. When you are praying, let God pour out what is God-centered, God-driven. Notice the request. How much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? Not just the wish list. not just the wish list. Church, we sometimes blow past this story because of who we know Jesus to be. We are people who live in the post-resurrection world. We are live in the post-Pentecost world. The Spirit is here with us now. 
We understand Jesus victorious. So when we blow past this moment, we simply forget something when we get stuck in our moments. Because when the crisis comes and we're facing some big bad circumstance out here in the world, the challenge for us is to not let the circumstance take us over to the point where we think that the circumstance becomes the end of the story. Because Jesus knows the end of the story. Hear that again. Jesus knows the end of the story. We already talked about that. And still, he does this. Still, he does this. So, when your circumstance, no matter what it is, no matter how big it feels, no matter how overwhelming it seems, and you go to God and say, God, I need you in this moment, look to your Lord as your solution. Look to the author and perfecter of your faith as the way to see your way through. Because he has shown you that when you fall on your face in prayer, when you open your heart and you are completely authentic, when you are bold at asking for what you really hope for, what you really need, when you are persistent and you show God how seriously you take the moment you are in, and when you show that you are centered on God, that's when you get to see that path you need to walk. And when you walk that path, that's when the promises of our God get to be made most real. Because that's when, in those moments of obedience, in those times where you choose faith, you choose him instead of the world, that's when the Spirit fills you with that idea that says, I'm going to do this. And you get to see the strength of God lived out. You get to feel the peace of God lived out despite the external circumstance. That's the key. Despite the external circumstance. We get so focused on trying to get through the circumstance and trying to wish the circumstance away that we forget that it's the path, that it's the obedience that makes the difference. One of the lessons that we've covered in recent weeks comes from a devotion written by Oswald Chambers. Some of you are familiar with that book. If you're not, we recommend it highly. One of the devotions in that book, called My Utmost for His Highest, says the following. No person in their right mind chooses suffering. So I want y'all to get that. <laughs> no person in their right mind chooses suffering. However, the disciple, the one who chooses Jesus, chooses the will of God. Chooses the will of God. And if the will of God leads you into a time of suffering, then so be it. Hear that again. You don't so much choose to suffer. What you choose is to be obedient to your Lord. And if being obedient to your Lord means that you have to suffer, then so be. That's exactly what we see here. 
Jesus is clear. It would be great if there was another option. But hear what he says. If it is not possible for this cup to pass from me unless I drink it. Hear that. Unless I drink it. Then not what I will, but what you will. Let that sink in and then remember that sometimes the suffering, no matter how hard, no matter how awful, no matter how big, feels pretty overwhelming. But it is not the end of the story. Don't let your mind fall into that trap in believing that the bad part is the end of the story because we know how this story ends. We know that the cross, for all it is to us, for all it means to us, was not the end of the story. That we know we serve a risen Savior with us still. And so even though we know that to be true, do not let your heart give in, but go to your God in real prayer. Go to your God in those 911 moments in your life and let God be God in the ways that God can be God for you. Because that is how we make it through. That is how we overcome. That is how we get to the victories we know to be real and to be true. Amen and amen. Loving and gracious God, thank you for the gift that is your truth. Thank you for being willing to show us yourself at this rawest and most vulnerable of moments. When we think of the simple fact that we follow a God who understands exactly what we go through, exactly what we go through, a God who looks into the future and is able to see a hard moment and says, I need help. A God who looks into this time and says, I must reconnect with the Father. So God the Son shows us his human side. And Lord, we are grateful that you are willing to do that for us because you have given us the model we need. You have given us the example to follow. And we know the story. We know the story of how you have overcome on our behalf. And because we, your people, would follow wherever you would lead, Lord God, open us up to do the exact same thing, to be our most authentic, to be our most bold, to be persistent, and to be centered on you and your will when we come to you in prayer that no matter what the path holds for us, we can walk it in love, we can walk it in faith, and we can walk it in obedience. Amen. One of the ways in which our love becomes real and we show the reality of our love is by partaking in the gift that Jesus gave us of the Holy Sacrament. 
So let's ready our hearts as we come before our God, as we partake of the bread and the cup. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God. And you spoke to us through your prophets who looked for that day when justice would roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. When nation would not lift up sword against nation and neither would they learn war anymore. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor to proclaim release of the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He set at liberty those who were oppressed and announced that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. At his ascension, you exalted him to sit and reign with you at your right hand. And on the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. For this is my body. This is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks to you and he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood, sign of the new covenant. This is poured out for the forgiveness of sin for you and for many. Every time you drink this, do it and remember me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. 
Amen. And now, with redeem, the confidence of the redeemed children of God, let us pray to prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Those who are serving today, please come forward. invites all to partake. All literally means all. There are no requirements, no barriers. If the Spirit compels you to come forward and receive the gift of God, please do so. We ask that you receive. And so if you would prefer one of the prepackaged cups, let one of the servers serve it to you, because this is indeed a gift from God to you. We serve by coming into the center and then coming down and moving out around the outer side. If you need gluten-free, this is on the far station to this side of the sanctuary. Come as the Spirit of God compels you.
I, like you, in inviting Jesus into my heart, realized that we can't do this life alone. It took me a little longer maybe to figure out I didn't want to and I didn't need to. And I think part of this culture tells us that vulnerability is something to be afraid of or ashamed of, but it's his strength that we find when we're vulnerable in allowing ourselves to say, Lord, I need you because we will not walk alone. And he promises that. So if you'd please stand as we sing our last song, Lord, I need you. One of the accounts of Jesus in Gethsemane 
tells us that Jesus prayed so hard that sweat fell from him like great drops of blood. I don't know the last time you prayed that hard, but I encourage you to pray like that. Not so much that you need to break a sweat, but pray with that depth of sincerity. Pray with that depth of feeling. Pray with that urgency. Go to God with that level of energy and watch your world change for the better. Now in the name of God, our creator and king, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, our counselor and our sustainer, may God bless us now as we leave to love and serve God and all God's children. Amen. Thank you.